We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, the Sunday no football edition for us. The Rams are off this weekend after their 41-39 victory over the 49ers on Thursday night. We have a special guest today. This, by the way, this is Derek C. Paul, our managing editor. Our guest, longtime fan, the Golden Ram, Sal Martinez. Sal, how you feeling today? Yeah. Oh, feeling great. Feeling great. Still enjoying that victory over the 49ers on Thursday night, so... Carrying uh, over, feel great. Where were you catching the game? Well, there's a group of us that watch the games. Um, this actually was at uh, Out of the Park Pizza in Buena Park. So I was able to watch it with uh, my daughter, who's also a diehard fan, and you know some of our friends. So it was really nice. There were some 49er fans there, so we were kind of going back and forth. But it was definitely nice to you know, seal the victory and win that big game. Now, where did you watch all the Rams games when they were in St. Louis? We actually, a big group of us got together. We started out in National Sports Bar in West Covina, and it just so happened it was a 99 season. So we were there for three years and went to um, two Super Bowls. So we were there a little over three years. So that was a nice group. But 
since then, uh, you know, they had gone out of business. So we were just kind of moving around. We've been to probably about four or five different locations, but there's a core group of us uh, fans that have been, you know, fans throughout the Rams stay in St. Louis. So we've all stayed, you know, pretty close and pretty tight. So we always watch the games together. Over the years, you know, this team has been through quite a bit. You've watched much of the good and a lot of bad. So tell us what it's been like for you as a Rams fan. You know, when did you become a Rams fan? What made you choose to stick with this team and uh, when they went to St. Louis? And uh, tell us a little bit about your collection as well. Okay, yeah, definitely. Well, I became a fan in 1969 when I was seven years old, and I saw them on TV and I saw the, the uniform, the horn on the helmet caught my attention. And I was just fortunate enough to live in Southern California and to have the Rams as a home team. But the um, helmet drew my attention. So at that point, it was kind of like I tell people, I didn't really choose the Rams. The Rams, like, chose me. It was ever since I was seven, anything Ram related, I just started collecting. And, you know, I had all the Ram football cards, and I would always carry them in my back pocket, go visit a friend, and while I'm waiting for my friend on my bike, I'd be, you know, reading the stats and everything. I just couldn't get enough of Ram football. And um, so I was able to watch a lot of it and never missed a game, was either there, listened to them on the radio, watched it on TV, but never missed a game in over 47 seasons. So I've seen a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the ups and downs, but I was just such a dedicated fan that you know, I say the Rams are like family. You know, they don't always make the right decisions or decisions you agree with, but I'm always going to stay loyal to the team. So I understood, you know, the business side of, you know, other Rams relocating. And, but it was, you know, there was never a doubt that I wasn't going to follow them. I knew early on, probably in 91, that, you know, there was a, a strong possibility they were going to relocate. And, you know, they were there was three choices, either Baltimore, San Antonio, or St. Louis. So I felt that you know, ultimately they would leave. And, and I got involved in some of the, you know, Save the Rams rallies and those types of things. But I also, you know, understood that um, no matter where the Rams, you know, played, it would still be my team. So I followed them. And, and uh, my collection, I had been collecting since I was seven. So I knew one day I was going to open up my own business and it was going to be decorated with my collection. So it just so happened that when the Rams left, I opened my business in 1994, the Golden Ram Barbershop. And even the number is 894, which football starts in August. 94 is the Rams' last season here, and then Rams 7267. But I, I, my main goal was to keep the Rams' history and tradition here in Southern California for a lot of fans that have followed the Rams. And, you know, it was kind of difficult because it was at a time when emotions were really high. People were really bitter. I mean, some people, you know, burn their jerseys. Some people, you know, just turn their back and there was a group of us that you know no matter what we're always going to stay loyal so when the rams relocated to st louis i was there at the first game you know and it it was totally different but it was still the rams i kind of blocked out the business side of football and when the rams took the field it was still you know my rams so i kind of looked at it that way and my attitude, along with, you know, a lot of other diehard Ram fans, we just, you know, we made the best of the situation. But I always felt that um, one day the Rams would return. And it was funny because um, I used to always say that it was like the Rams were on a 30-year road trip, that one day they'd come back. And, and so I kind of 
held on to hope, but I knew it would it would involve you know the perfect storm for that to happen, and actually it it did happen. So that was you know awesome. Well, the, you just mentioned something interesting. You said that you felt the Rams would return. What made you think that one day the Rams would return? It's very rare for franchises to leave their cities and come back. As a matter of fact, it was what the Raiders going going back to Oakland. Yes, yes. You know, so it's, it's a rare thing. What made you think that would happen? Well, you know, number one, I just felt like um, I knew the Rams relocated for, you know, for a better deal. I knew that the business side, you know, pretty much dictated that the Rams would relocate. So I always felt the same. I thought, you know what, business will bring them back also because, you know, to leave the number two market for like the 22nd or the 20th largest market, you know, business-wise just really didn't make sense. And I thought that, um, you know, being relocated the Rams, I thought it was more of an emotional thing for, you know, for Georgia to move the team. And I thought that, you know, eventually it would be hard for St. Louis to brace the Rams because, and, you know, a lot of the fans even said it. it initially it felt like it was the LA Rams playing in St. Louis, you know, and then when they made uh, the, you know, uniform change. But I always felt that, um, in fact, one article, and it was printed that they still had, I said, you know, to me, I looked at it as though the Rams were on a 30-year road trip. And another thing that was interesting is my daughter, she's 26, uh, her name's Bree. It was weird because when the Rams left in, in 95, through probably about 99, on my days off, she and I, she was only like four at the time. And I'd go to a lot of, you know, um, secondhand stores. I'd go to Goodwill, uh, Chalk, you know, all these different stores and collect all the Rams gear. Because I said, you know, there was people burning it and people boxing it up, sending it to St. Louis. And I said, you know what, we're going to go out and I'm going to collect all this stuff, all different sizes. And I said, when the Rams come back, we're going to have official, you know, LA Rams gear. So I did that. And now she's 26. And so I started going through a lot of the boxes of clothing. So it was packed away for like 22 years. And so this week I started going through some of this stuff. And it's interesting. A lot of it fits her now. So she's able to wear it. So it's kind of awesome. She's four years old, not knowing, you know, 22, 24 years later, she's going to be able to wear the gear now. So that's kind of interesting, too. You mentioned, you know, the fans who left the team and and those that were loyal that, you know, stuck around. And those who are familiar with the movement out there to bring back the Rams know that there was a solid base. Today, uh, the city of Los Angeles is facing quite a bit of criticism about the attendance at these games at the Coliseum and at the StubHub Center. Yeah. How are you feeling about that when your city's being attacked and I guess also now the Ram fan base is being attacked? Um, by both the national and, in some cases, the local media? Well, I kind of felt, you know, throughout the process, I kind of felt like a lot of the local media, they wanted the Raiders to return to L.A. But for me, you know, it's interesting because as a longtime Rams fan, I was kind of hurt along with a lot of other Rams fans because when the Rams played at the uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, you know, the last season being 79, 80 season, when they left after 79, when they moved to Orange County, uh, California, and played in Anaheim, a lot of longtime Ram fans didn't even follow them to Orange County. So that that kind of hurt, you know. The, a lot of the L.A. fans, they stayed loyal to Los Angeles. So ultimately, when the Rams moved to Anaheim, you know, we kind of formed another Ram fan base, another Southern California Ram fan base. Then, you know, not that long after, the Raiders moved to the Coliseum. 
And so a lot of those longtime Raider fans stayed loyal to L.A. and they became Raider fans and, and supported the Raiders. So that's one of the reasons why the Raiders have a big support in Southern California, you know, especially in the fact that the Raiders are from Northern California. Usually Northern California, Southern California teams, I mean, there's a strong, you know, um, fan-based rivalry. So that kind of shocked me. But I think right now attendance is down around, you know, all the NFL. And, and you know, St. Louis is called the show me, you know, Missouri, the show me state. But I always say Los Angeles is the show me city. Once you win, they'll come out. But the difficult thing is is that, you know, you have to have um, time here. You know, you have to establish yourself. And so the Rams are doing that. But I think the Rams as an organization, they definitely need to reach back to the longtime fans and listen to longtime L.A. Ram fans about, you know, some of the mistakes that the previous ownership had when the Rams were here. Because there's a lot of things the Rams need to tie in. I mean, you have 50 years a fan base in Southern California. You have to capitalize on that. You know, I mean, worrying about the fight for LA with the Chargers, I mean, that's just, it's a waste of time and energy. The Rams should be focusing on reaching back and establishing their own fan base. What are some of the mistakes you think the Rams have made with their return? Well, I think that uh, one of the things I would have done is probably reached out to, you know, uh, Anaheim Stadium, a lot of the season um, season ticket holders there. And I probably would have tried to you know, get a hold of a lot of the longtime Ram fans, season ticket holders. I would have offered them, you know, season tickets first. Then I would have, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, fan clubs that were here. I mean, I, I never left. My, I opened my shop in 94. So, like I said, I, I kept the light on for the Rams as, as a franchise. I talked Ram football every day. The Rams were gone. I mean, so I had a lot of, you know, my customers that would come in were longtime Ram fans. So there was a group of us Ram fans that always kept, you know, close and, and kept, you know, we also, you know, went to a lot of the games in St. Louis. But I think in L.A., you really have to win. But, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, you know, if you only show up when you win, that's kind of like being a bandwagon champ. How can you establish a foundation, you know, pretty much on winning? It's really difficult because all teams are trying to win. So the fans that come up and show up when you win, they'll be the same fans that will turn around and leave when you lose. We've seen this movie. I know how it ends. So I mean, it's really difficult. Yeah. Well, isn't it? Isn't that the case though with almost any franchise out there? Yes. Uh, well, you know, you're you're facing so many different, you know, things that you haven't had to face back in 1994. When the Rams have left, it's. I tell people a lot has changed in 22 years. I, you know, I kind of the analogy I use is kind of like, you know, you move away from you know your city, your neighborhood, and then you come back, you know. Um, 22 years later and expect everything, well, in the Rams' case, 36 years later and expect everything to be the same. The Rams had left the Coliseum in 1979. So the last pro franchise to play there was the Raiders. So the Rams going back to L.A., you know, that's why I would have done a little bit more. I would have done a lot more research and reached out to longtime fans because now, you know, since 1994, now you have, you know, higher quality TVs. I mean, you know, the HD, you know, TV, people are staying home more often. So that's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of Carol Rosenblum, because his, you know, his goal as the owner of the Rams, when he traded, you know, the Colts, you know, for the uh, Rams, when he became owner of the Rams, you know, his number one goal and his objective was, you know, the fan experience. He made the fan experience great. He cared about the fans. 
And I think today it's so hard because it's it's much like a business. You have to deal with um like fantasy football has really fantasy football is for a lot of the younger fans that it keeps them interested, you know, but they're not loyal to one team. And so it's difficult. You'll see a Ram fan wearing Ram gear cheering for the 49er defense. I mean, for me, as an older, longtime Ram fan, you know, I just, that's never been the type of fan I am. I'm loyal to the end. And many times, I mean, fans are, are um, you know, they just have other interests. But it's been interesting, you know, at each uh, visiting game, like each visiting team that comes to the Coliseum, I always thought it would at least be, you know, like a 60, 70, 30 split. 60-40 split. But a lot of these games, you know, these opposing teams are able to come into the Coliseum and really be heard. It's amazing that, you know, how much time has gone by. And I see a lot of these, like, just this past uh, home game, there was a lot of young, like, Redskins fans, like families that are, you know, you could see generations. And, and I kind of thought that going there, you know, George Allen, and, and when George Allen coached the Rams and then left the Rams to um, coach the Redskins, a lot of, you know, Ram fans followed the Redskins because of George Allen. They were such a big fan. So I figured the fan base would probably include a lot of older Redskins fans, but that wasn't the case. There was a lot of families. And so Dallas, I expect, you know, because they have a big fan base, and there's certain teams that, you know, they travel really well. And, you know, but the Buffalo Bills had a pretty good presence, you know. And this season I expect the Eagles, the Saints, there's going to be a lot of games. So, that are going to be like a 50-50 split. So I think the Rams just have to uh, – winning's part of it. But one thing the Rams have in their advantage is that they're an exciting team. In L.A., a lot of these kids grow up playing Madden. I mean, they're used to high scores, and, you know, they get bored with a, with a 13-9, you know, type of win. They want excitement. So you, in L.A., you have to be – you have to win and you have to be excited. Well, right now the Rams are on, you know, on path to do both. The Rams are an exciting team, and you can see week by week with this offense. I mean, the Rams have all the weapons and, and defensive, um, defensively, too. I agree the Rams have the talent. It's just a matter of getting yeah. better week by week. They have yeah. issues there. And, but I think you're you're pointing at two things from just the way I'm gathering. I, I think you're hesitant to blame the L.A. fan base for having options. You know, they have the well, options, you know, you that's what it sounds like to me. If you're saying, hey, you know what? If you're not playing winning football, that comes first. You got, you have to play winning football. It needs to be exciting football. Yeah. So. Well, well, when I say you have to have exciting football, I'm talking about attracting the younger fans. For older fans, I mean, I love defense, you know. But I'm saying the Rams need to focus on the newer generation of Ram fans, the younger fans, the ones that grew up with fantasy football, the ones that grew up playing Madden. Do the, the the young fans have to be excited? They have to be interested. Well, do you blame do you blame the the uh, L A fans for the struggles that the team has had here with attendance thus far, or is it more of a is it more of a franchise problem, or is it a city problem? I mean, what is the real issue? You know why? You know, I guess the question I'm really digging at is why is L A held to a different standard right now compared to other NFL cities? Or why should well, it be? What, yes. Uh, one of the reasons why is because, you know, Los Angeles is a melting pot of a lot of different, you know, transplants from other uh, states and also other cultures. So L.A. is unique in that sense, but everybody loves a winner. So 
a lot of times when people say, you know, when they say, well, you know, I, I love the fans, the real fans, you know, like the Packers and the Browns. And, you know, I said, you know, I actually, I love LA fans because I actually think that when you, when you play in a small, you know, uh, you know, small place like Green Bay, I mean, there's not a lot of options on Sunday. Out here in LA, you have plenty of options. So to, you know, go to a game on Sunday, to me, that, that takes really um, a dedicated fan. Los Angeles, we have the population. We have the fans. Once the Rams start winning, you'll see them. They, they will turn out. So that's not, you know, but to me, I just think Los Angeles, it's a fickle city. I mean, it's been proven. And it's not that um, I don't blame anybody. It's just different options. And people are in different places in their life. But for me, I mean, I eat, sleep, and breathe Ram football, and it's been like that for 47 years. So it's hard for me because sometimes I use my standards. You know, most people, there's not – the NFL doesn't really cater to diehard fans. You know, they like more of the fans. As long as you're buying, you know, the NFL merchandise and all, it's good because, it's a, you know, that's the business side. But as far as being a longtime loyal fan, we're like dinosaurs in the world of sports, especially the NFL. Do you think the Rams went wrong um, when it comes to L.A. just by keeping Jeff Fisher as a head coach? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah, I said one of the main concerns to me, one of the main concerns for the Rams coming back to L.A., you know, they had to hit the ground running, and the Rams had options. But what, to me, even the whole Jeff Fisher hiring was kind of odd. I mean, I'm old school. I think that first you hire the general manager, and then you hire the coach. In, their, in Jeff Fisher's case, they hired the coach, and then he hires a general manager. So for me, Fisher pretty much had full control of the Ram franchise. But I just think that, um, you know, the Rams, you know, with Sean McVay, I mean, his energy is amazing. So sometimes you see, you know, football is about attitude, passion, talent. The Rams have all that now with McVay. But I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about the Rams hiring Fisher you know, to, you know, because he has experience relocating a team. And I always ask, did the Rams hire a, a coach to relocate him to St. Louis? You know, the Rams never hired anybody that had experience relocating a team because it, it didn't, in, in Fisher's case, it really didn't make much of a difference. When the Rams came to L.A., they didn't think, you know, for five years the Rams had been rebuilding So I think a lot of that was kind of overblown. I think that Fisher wasn't – I. I just think the Rams hired Fisher because he had been in the league for a long time and a likable guy and, you know, a solid person. But well, as I think far they, as winning, he didn't have a winning record when the Rams hired him. Well, he didn't have a winning record his last season. He had an overall winning record, not by much. I think the real <laughs> issue when it comes to Fisher, though, is I think the Rams at the time when they hired him um, had, a, had like they do now, one of the youngest teams in the league, sure. they, they – didn't feel comfortable hiring a a young hand to try and get those those players to mature, and they went with the person who had some kind of of track record being a steadying hand. Another thing too that kind of was, was with Fisher was Fisher had, you know, an ownership in Bud Adams that constantly undermined him in Tennessee. So the belief you know was that. You know, now that he'll be with an ownership that won't undermine him, he'll do better. Well, the truth is, is is that wasn't the case. And, and I think you know, the Rams holding on to him as long as they did 
drastically hurt the team's entrance to LA. We I, ninety thousand fans plus what the first preseason game last year. Yes, ninety thousand was a, a record for a preseason game against Dallas, and then you know ninety one thousand on the home opener. Yeah. Yeah. So when you ha- but when you the, have that, I mean, the, the, you yeah, can tell the excitement's there, right? Yes, but what's interesting is, I mean, a lot of the Ram fans I talked to, you know, a lot of um, longtime Ram fans, you know, a lot of fans that I talked to that bought season tickets for season number two, a lot of them weren't renewing. A lot of them bought up to eight eight uh, season tickets, and a lot of them were telling me they're only going to buy two and let six go. So this was up to season number two. So a lot of people bought tickets for different reasons. Some people bought tickets to – you know, to try and flip them and, and make money off. So it wasn't really of the 65,000, I believe, 65,000 tickets, season tickets that the Rams sold. You know, I, I was of the belief, I'm like, of the 65,000 season tickets, I would say probably 25,000 are diehard Ram fans. The other 40 are for an investment or just kind of, you know, uh, the excitement of a LA team. And then, you know, so some people came in, bought season tickets, gave the Rams a chance, and the Rams didn't win immediately. and, and some of them just, you know, went on. So that's one of the reasons why I'm saying that it takes a while to establish a fan base. That's why, for me, I was focused on a lot of the younger Ram fans because um, those are going to be the future. But the Rams are doing that. They're, you know, going to a lot of the, you know, the local schools and, and you know, doing things with, with the um, schools and also building playgrounds, much of the things that they did in St. Louis. So that's important. And, and it takes time. I mean, I hear – Every day at, at my shop, I hear people, you know, how excited they are that the Rams are back. So the Rams fans will eventually show up, but, you know, it's just that transitional period. It takes a while. But, um, you know, a lot of people said, back to Vermeil real quick, I remember Vermeil was out of football for like 14 years. And when the Rams hired him, everybody said he was too old. He couldn't relate to the players. And But football is football. If you have passion and you have knowledge and you're a natural leader, like Vermeil was, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought the age gap between Vermeil and those younger players that he wouldn't be able to relate to the players, they wouldn't buy into the system. Well, I mean, he he was able to turn the Rams around and win a Super Bowl. But I just think you're either a leader or you're not, or a leader of men. McVeigh is just a natural leader. I think anybody that listens to McVeigh speak for 15, 20 minutes, you, you know, you buy in because he believes what he's saying. He's a great person. He's a great coach. I think yeah, we can. So, yeah, I think we can. I think we can go ahead now and, and say that you know the Rams finally hit a home run on a coach. Absolutely, I was telling people, you know, any doubters, I was saying, listen to this guy speak, and after a couple of minutes, they're like, wow, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, he pumps you up, but he does it in a way he believes what he's saying, and you know, a lot of the former players were telling me, Sal, this, he's different. He, you know. I mean, everyone says that, but he's this guy's different. The whole morale and everything. That's why football is so amazing to me. I love the passion. I love, you know, he's in control. He has the players following him. But I don't think age, I mean, a lot of people thought, oh, it's good that the Rams went with a younger coach because he can relate. Well, it was actually, going into it was a huge gamble. Because I said, you know, when you come to L.A., you can't afford to, you know, swing and a miss again. You cannot. You have to hit it out of the park in L.A. So the Rams, it was a gamble going with a young coach that no one really knew much about. But it just so happened the Rams, you know, were fortunate that they did pick the right guy. And hopefully I would not let this guy leave the Ram organization. Uh, you... He's a great guy. I would never let him leave. It's just like 
you know, when the Rams had uh, Kurt Warner, and and I would have never let him leave the you know the organization either. There's certain players and certain coaches that you know you find a way to keep him you know in the building. Well, maybe LA loves that guy. Well, you know, because that's outstanding. That's 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 kind of where we're going to. He's only three games into his pro career as a coach, and and this is the response we're getting on him. And well, well, on the same token, we've seen coaches come in hot like that before and and burn out. So it's really going to be up to the franchise to support him. He's still going to grow as a coach. You know, you could have all the enthusiasm in the world. You could have all the, all the leadership in the world, but if you're not supported by your franchise, then... Yes, exactly. You know. that, that's what I mean by I would, you know, I would do everything, you know, you look at the draft, look at the way, look at the draft, look at the, look at his, his um, imprint on the draft. I mean, look at the players he's drafting. You know, some players, you know, some coaches and general managers, you know, their philosophy, they, they draft athletes. You know, you could see McVay drafts for, you know, um, football IQ. He, he He's getting guys that come in that actually understand the game, that are passionate about the game. Look at Cooper Cup. Look at – there were some plays, like, there was a play um, against the Redskins, I believe, where um, Goff was in trouble and um, – Gerald Everett, the tight end, you know, turned and went deep, and it resulted in like a 69-yard, you know, yeah, play. Yeah, absolutely. That was play the one we the- highlighted on the on the podcast. Was that was that particular throw, and that really showed not just um, the, the 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 change in the offense, but it also showed Goff's growth as a quarterback. Exactly, and see, that's why um, I could have sat anywhere in, in the, the Coliseum, but I chose to sit. I love sitting in the end zone. I, I sit in in row 46. 14 now, seats one and two. I like sitting there because I love to watch the game from the quarterback's perspective, the quarterback view. I see Goff, you know, I like to see the offensive line. I like to see the holes open up. I can see when Goff drops back to pass, I can see him go through his progressions. And, and, you know, he's right on point with his throws and with his decision-making. I mean, it's like nine days from last year to this year. Every, you know, and every coach will make mistakes, but, McVay surrounded himself with very smart, you know, well-respected football coaches, you know. And so for me, I know, you know, emotion and, and all this, it comes and goes, but not when you're prepared. McVay is prepared. He's detail-oriented. Detail-oriented, he, much, he reminds me a lot of um, Coach Vermeil and, like, George Allen, a combination of both of those guys. He He gets it. He loves football, and that's what you have to have. It's not just a job for him, you know. He's passionate. He puts in the time, and he says from the beginning, you know, when they're asking him, well, you know, how do you think the players are going to respond to your age? Or, you know, he said, you know what? When they see me work, they'll respect me. And that's exactly the case. When you go to training camp, he's running all over the field, you know, in different uh, um, parts of the field and in different uh, um, cities. The guy's running around everywhere. You saw after his first victory when he he darted towards the, the tunnel. I mean, this guy's a ball of energy, just like uh, um, Coach Vermeil, and he loves his players. The players love him. That's, you know, I've never seen so many smiles on this Rams team in years. You know, the Rams had success under Mike Mars, but I mean, it, there was a lot of tension. It wasn't like it is under Vermeil or or Coach McVay. Let me let me throw a question, tonight. Like, you know, we're, we're we're running low on time here, so let me throw a couple quick questions. Today. Let's 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 jog that memory of yours. Let's let's dig into the history here, okay? Okay. All right. What for you remains the best 
game in Rams history. And it doesn't have to be the Super Bowl. Just the Rams' best game that you've ever seen. Well, when you say best game, um, actually, one of my favorite games and best game was the Super Bowl fourteen loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 31-19 loss. Because as a Rams fan, ever since I was seven, I mean, we had come so close. You know, people were always saying, oh, Rams will never win anything. And, you know, they're always, you know, the bridesmaid, never the bride. And so, you know, if we beat Dallas, we'd lose to, you know, the Vikings. We beat the Vikings, we lose to Dallas. The only time as a fan that we got the respect that we wanted, even though it came in a loss in the Super Bowl against the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers, was that 79-80 Super Bowl when the Rams, um, I mean, they played their hearts out there. A couple of plays here and there could have been the difference in the game, but that was probably one of the proudest and most exciting games for me as a fan because, you know, as a, as a Ram fan and a, a fan of, you know, a lot of losing pretty much over the years, you know, you just want respect and to be on the level and be considered, you know, one of the, the best teams. And, and Pittsburgh gave the Rams a lot of credit. And people that watched that Super Bowl, even though the Rams lost, you know, the Rams did get a lot of respect. So that I would probably have to say that's like my favorite, but and then of course there's a Super Bowl, you know, when the Rams won um, in 2000. That was, you know, one of my favorite games also. But you know what's interesting is that um, for me, it, it was like one of the greatest Ram memories, but then one of the saddest because I tell people once you get, you know, once you win it all, it doesn't get better than that, you know. It only goes, you know, you only go down from there. There's nothing like winning the first Super Bowl. So the only thing that will top that will be a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, a L.A. Rams Super Bowl championship. That would be the ultimate for me. Because ever since I was a kid, I always, you know, Super Bowl started in 67. So I always wanted the Rams to be the L.A. Rams Super Bowl champion. So that never happened. So, But I believe under McVay, it's going to happen. So I'm pretty excited for that. So I anticipate that game as being the greatest Ram game for me. Now, up to this point, you know, you, you've been, like you said, to, to a lot of Rams games. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that 70 team that just couldn't quite get over the hump um, for years. Yeah. Um, the question that I've been pondering, and I've even, I've even thought about writing a book on it, okay. was – that night, that 1970s Rams team. Do you believe that they were good enough to win the Super Bowl? And if so, in your view, what stopped them? What stopped them from getting there? You're talking about the 1979 Rams team? Just the 1970s, that that decade where they won okay. seven division titles, held the record yeah. until last year. Yeah, if I could sum it up, I would say one of the things, you know, a lot of it was, to me, it was the Rams coach, um, Chuck Knox, his philosophy. You know, his football philosophy pretty much was, you know, play solid, you know, play offense, defense, play great defense, and then, you know, capitalize on your opponent's mistakes, turnover. Well, that works during the regular season. The Rams have always, you know, player for player, the Rams matched up with, some of the Super Bowl champions. But the main thing was is that I just never, you know, the Rams philosophy kind of hurt the Rams because as you advance in the playoffs, you know, great teams don't make mistakes. 
So when you're waiting for a turnover or something, you know, and you're not playing aggressive, I think, you know, I like when teams are aggressive. I like, you know, coaches that, that throw the ball. You know, you have to open up the offense because ultimately when you advance into the playoffs, as you go further and further, great teams, you're going to have to be able to run the ball and, you know, open up an offense. You know, you open up the offense. And that's what I like about um, – about the Rams, but even when the Rams had Dickerson, I mean, you know, he was the majority of the time, he was like 60% of the Ram offense. So the Rams would, you know, you could have an impressive regular season record and you make the playoffs, but once you advance to the playoffs, you know, you're going to face eight, nine, you know, men in the box. All they're going to do is just stop Dickerson. And if your passing game isn't developed, you know, once you fall behind, it's almost impossible to, to come from behind and win those games. So I think like, for the Rams, it was always, you know, their defense, so much was put, so much pressure was put on their defense to, you know, save a lot of the games. But to me, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Chuck Knox. You know, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I would, I would say that during that era, during that era, the thing was, is he just didn't, um, open up the offense enough. And I, I mean, the, you know, his nickname is Ground Chuck, you know, pretty much because he used to like to run the ball and, Sometimes for us fans, you know, running the ball is great, but sometimes you have to trust your quarterback and your receivers, and you have to put the ball in the air and and try and win that way. I mean, were his quarterback, you know, were his quarterbacks good enough to open up that kind of game, though? No, but then again, I, I blame it, you know, not blame, but I, you know, when you have you have to bring in quarterbacks that can, you know, do that kind of, you know, that play that kind of football where throwing the ball is their strength. But it wasn't for, um, you know, it wasn't for lack of of trying. The Rams. During the 70s, the Rams always brought, you know, all these big-name quarterbacks, you know, to take over their offense. I mean, you look through the list, Burt Jones and Joe Namath, you know, Dan Pastorini. I mean, the Rams have gone through a lot of quarterbacks to try and, you know, fill that fill that spot, you know. But what's amazing is you look how far the Rams went in 1985 with Dieter Brock as their quarterback. So the Rams have always had, you know, uh, quarterback, you know, controversy too. That was part of, you know, being a Ram fan, especially in the mid seventies. I mean, you had Jaworski, James Harris, Pat Hayden. I mean, you know, the Rams were like three quarterbacks deep that everybody, you know, we liked them all. And that's one of the reasons why when we finally had Kirk Warner, who was just amazing, you know, and then when he went through his struggles with, you know, his finger issue and I would have never given up on him. I would have let him, you know, I would have been patient. You know, he, he was such a competitor. He wasn't going to tell the truth. I know that the finger was bothering him because he couldn't even grip the ball. But, you know, when he struggled against the Redskins and Giants back-to-back games and he had some fumbles and stuff, and, you know, Mike March pretty much just, you know, looked away and, and went in a different direction. But Warner was special. And I said, you know, I would have, you know, maybe sat him down, but I wouldn't have let him lead the organization. And that's one of the things, like for Goff, I'm a big Goff fan. Goff gets it and golf has the ability has the talent and you see how dangerous he is when you give him weapons and you give him protection and the way he's starting to see the field watch by the end of the season i think a lot of people are going to be believers in golf golf has what it takes now do you uh going back to the 70s and i we I, I agree on golf by the way we've been we've been seeing his praises thus far this season um yeah going back to the 70s are you basically just saying really it was the coaching style that held back the team? Was there enough talent on the team to win a Super Bowl? 
I think there was, yeah. I think across the board, definitely, yeah. I think that, I mean, you look player for player, you know, the, the Rams, and I used to do that when I was a kid. I, I always used to match up the Rams and against the Cowboys and against, you know, all these other teams, and, and we were just as good. There was times, I mean, I'll never forget, you know, and, and then I think also bad luck played a part, and I don't like to blame, you know, bad luck, but I'll never forget that, you know, that playoff game in, in L.A., when, you know, the Vikings, you know, first of all, the Vikings, uh, Van Targeting isn't playing Bob Lee, their backup's playing. And they're out in L.A. I'm thinking, oh, this should be an easy win for the Rams. And it just so happens it rains and, and we end up losing that game in the mud bowl. But, so, but that's one the reason why I love football so much is because you only have one game, you know, to prove who's best on that Sunday. And, you know, like you say, on any given Sunday, that's the best part of football is that, you know, I mean, in any other sport, you know, you play a series, you can get blown out and come back and still win the series. Football, you only have halftime to make your adjustments. You don't make your adjustments, it could cost you the game. So, but as a long-time fan, I mean, I own up and I own all the wins, losses, the ties, because it's, to me, it's still worth it. The passion that the Rams played. As a fan, all I wanted the Rams to do was play to their potential and, you know, I would, you know, accept the results. Okay, just a couple more questions. I know you got to get going here. Oh, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. A couple more questions. What is the most valuable part of your collection? Most valuable piece? The most valuable piece would probably be, um, well, to me personally, because, you know, with a collection, it's hard. A lot of the sentimental value. But I, I would say probably a 1979 um, Vince Ferragamo jersey, game one jersey. But I have so many, you know, I have so many, um, you know, pieces of my collection that are valuable. They're all valuable to me. In, but to, you know, put it, to narrow it down to probably one or two, that I would probably say Ferragamo. But I, it's just the sentimental value to me that really um, makes it special to me. But I have jerseys, helmets, I mean, from so many players over the years that, you know, I admired and to be able to um, – you know, to own a piece of Rams history is, is fine. Okay. Last question. Last sure. question. Going from past to the present. What record do you believe the Rams finish with this season? I would say um, just that comes to me right away is 11 and 5. 11 and 5. Why? Well, because, you know, it's a young team and there's, there's the Rams are going to be in some battles this season. but. It's funny when it comes to the Rams, certain things just come to me. And when you asked me that question, the thing that came to my mind was I saw 11 and 5 without even thinking. But I can understand. I mean, the Rams are, you know, they're not a polished team by no stretch of the imagination. But the nice thing is I believe in this coaching staff. I believe in, in uh, the Rams players. They have the talent. And I think that much like the 99 season, I mean, nobody knew who Kurt Warner was. Nobody, you know, Isaac Bruce was always having uh, issues with his hamstring. And, you know, they bring in Tory Holt. I mean, nobody knew a lot about the greatest show on turf until the end of the season. And so I see a lot of moving parts with the Rams. I see, you know, we haven't even, I mean, Watkins is barely getting, you know, into the mix right now. And you see how dominant he is. And you still got Cooper Cup. I mean, you have so many players that, I mean, Robert Woods is playing great. I mean, Gerald Everett. So I think. Um, 
they're going to start coming together. I think their defense, I think the secondary is making way too many tackles, and I think that they're starting to break down a little bit. But uh, I think once Donald gets in there, I think the front seven will start settling in, and then the secondary will get healthy. And, you know, you don't want to peak yet. It's only three games. But as long as I see improvement week by week, um, the Rams will be fine. I think 11-5 and wins that division. And um, I think that, you know, the head-to-head competition in the conference, I think the Rams are going to win that. So wow. I think we're going to win the division at 11-5, yeah. Wow, that's that. And, that is a bold prediction. That is a bold prediction. Another member of our staff, Johnny Gomez. He also said the Rams are going to go 11 and 5 this year. So let's see how this goes. Okay, and, and one more thing that you know, one more thing about the the St. Louis Super Bowl. I tell people I believe in karma, right? And so when the Rams left, a lot of Ram fans in LA were upset when um, you know Georgia stood you know stood on the podium and and held up the the trophy and said you know this proves I you know made the the right move moving the Rams to St. Louis. I said. In my mind, and I said it several times, what's going to happen is when the Rams return, within five years, the Rams will win the Super Bowl. And Stan Kroenke will hold the trophy up and say, this proves that I you know, made the right move bringing the Rams back to Los Angeles. That will happen within five years, I believe. We're going to hold you accountable with that prediction, good sir. You're saying oh, yeah. five so years. So then by then, it went <laughs> full circle, yeah. Within five years. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, for those of you in the area, Sal Martinez runs the Golden Ram Barbershop out there in Westminster, California. Um, real quick, throw in a plug for your business, sir. Yeah, the number is easy to remember. It's 714-894-RAMS. And, um, yeah, call for an appointment every 30 minutes. Come in, talk Rams, um, talk, and get a great haircut. Get a great haircut. Um, oh, and, and and just so you know, we'll, we'll try and get some pictures. I got a guy to negotiate here, Mr. Martin. I'll try and get some pictures of his collection up there on on the uh, the podcast page for you all to see this this amazing collection that he has. All right, this is Derek C. Paul, managing editor of Rams Talk, and for Sal Martinez saying, "Have a great Sunday." We'll see you next week when they play the when they play the Cowboys. Yeah. can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.